Hello, I'm Amber Lauva and welcome to another episode of the Fashion Avenue podcast. I created this podcast in late 2018 because I wanted to chat to people who have absolutely made it in the fashion and beauty industry as well as up and comers. I've been blogging fashion and beauty for eight years now and I'm also a journalist and I work in radio. So I've been around this industry for a very long time and creating a podcast to chat about all of this has honestly been a massive dream come true and I love bringing these episodes to you every week. I'm really excited about this episode today because it's with one of my favorite brands of all time and one that I've been using for years and that is Bondi Sands. I'm chatting to co-founder Blair James all about how he proved the product's worth to a manufacturer in the early days, getting the formula right and maintaining that, the continuous product innovation at Bondi Sands, because let's be real, every single product that they come out with is better than the last, and they're definitely ahead of the game when it comes to fake tanning, and what 2020 holds for Australia's most popular tan. If you love fake tanning, if you love this brand, or if you're keen to know more about Bondi Sands and the journey of getting this brand to where it is now, then you definitely want to listen to this. This is the Australian tan. This is the tan that you need to have and to be wearing. If you're keen to hear about Blair's journey as well as the evolution of Bondi Sands, then keep on listening to this episode of the Fashion Avenue podcast. Blair, thank you so much for joining me on the Fashion Avenue podcast. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. No worries. I'm really excited to talk to you because I have said since I started this podcast almost a year ago that I want to talk to someone from Bondi Sands. So thank you for being here because finally it's happening. So I kind of want to know all about how you started and I understand you're like almost introduction to creating something for yourself started with selling Vegemite and peanut butter in the UK? It did, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've told this story a few times uh, of late. And I'm sure people are like, sick of hearing it, but it was, um, yeah, we lived in the UK when I was, uh, my dad was from the UK, mm-hmm. so uh, when I was about six, we moved back over there, and uh, funnily enough, my dad was running a business importing Australian products into the UK. Yeah. Um, he had a store called Things Australian, and he was bringing products like R.M. Williams and Weiserbone coats and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it can't get much more Australian than that. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the time, even now, I mean, I still love watches and cars and shoes. They're the three things I've loved my whole life. Yep. So um, I had come across this this watch that I wanted. It was a calculator watch. And um, at the time, my dad's business wasn't going so well. And we didn't have really a lot of spare money at all. And I was kind of, you know, thinking, like, like how can I get this watch? And it was 11 pounds. And I remember just walking through my dad's store. And he had all these old boxes of peanut butter and Vegemite that were at, at his storeroom. And I just I thought to myself, well, I can sell that. <laughs> I'll just go and cut up a, <laughs> make a little makeshift tray and take it out to the, uh, the shopping center where my dad's store was. And... You know, it's pretty hard to say no to a six-year-old selling Vegemite and peanut totally. butter. So that, totally. Um, <laughs> so I was those for like a pound each, which is very expensive for Vegemite at the end of you know, late 80s. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I sold all of his stock. It was about, you know, made around 34 pounds. Uh, I came back to him, gave him the change after buying my watch. And he was like, you know, where'd you get the money from? And I was pretty much, well, uh, I was sold your stock and he, he was telling me he kind of got to take my stock and go and sell it and I was just like oh well so he, he saw the funny side of it um, yeah. Yeah. and I think he sort of yeah could see what what had been created off the back of that but it taught me some yeah fundamentals of business even back mm-hmm. then just something as simple as that um, yeah. I look at obviously the cost of goods being the cost of the watch yeah well yeah what I'm mean, sorry what I was paying him back 
to the stock and it, it sort of triggered that thought or behavior that regardless of what you want or where you want to get to, there's something that you can create today, you have an opportunity that's present today and yeah, you just really need to take action on something like that. So yeah, totally. it, it really triggered um, a behavior that I really followed throughout my life really. Yeah. And so like doing that at a young age has definitely aligned with what you're doing now. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, I, I talk a lot about, you know, I think as I got older, I really understand it or appreciated how important creativity is. Um, how important positivity is. Yeah, at that time, we were in a position, like my dad's business, we were quite comfortable for. My dad opened that business and it, it wasn't successful for him at all. So we lost a lot of money. So we had a number of years where bordering on poverty mm-hmm. and, you know, that really creates the need to be creative, you know, to yeah. create ways to be able to have the things that everyone else has. And, you know, I, I look back at that and I don't regret being in that space at all because it did trigger those thoughts, you know, about being more creative and how do you create something out of nothing. So, yeah, in a whole, it was tough at the time, but um, it's a great experience to go through now. Yeah, and turning, yeah, those tough experiences into something positive now, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so flashing forward to going to uni, so I heard you were doing a degree – you weren't entirely interested in why did you let yeah. that go um i think like a probably a lot of people probably you know relate to this during year 12 you know during high school it's really about you know there's a lot of pressure to, that you mm. have to go to university yeah it's definitely yeah you know, it's still a message now and i think at times probably a bit of an unfair pressure that's put on the kids to make a decision you know that impacts your life a long way down the track and and i was no different uh my dad always wanted me to be a doctor uh, wanted me to go to university and year 12 was it was a tough year for me um, my dad passed away during that year wow. um, didn't go to school for a, a couple of months and but I was determined to finish my year 12 and, and get that done and I, I didn't get the score that I wanted but yeah you know, I wanted to on a what my dad would have liked. So mm. I took a class that was in uh, applied science or a degree in applied science and uh, specializing in occupational health and safety, thinking that I would do this and then move across into medicine at some point. And, you know, just because really that's what my dad would have liked at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And that was my first uh, probably experience of entering, the, in, entering into something because of other people's expectations and quickly realized that you know, unless you're really interested in something, passionate about it, you're never going to do a good job or you're never going to yeah. continue with it. So two years down the track, I remember looking at everyone else doing their assignments and how excited they were and excited to get out in the world as a health and safety consultant. And I didn't have those feelings at all. I was thinking about other things. I wanted to get out in the world. And it got to that point where I decided to, to drop out and move on to something else. Yeah, wow. And so as an entrepreneur now, what's your stance on education? Um, I have two thoughts, I guess, on education. I think depending on if you, obviously, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor, if you want, education is a prerequisite for those things and you, mm. you definitely need that. I think within business, I don't know whether you need to go and do it, right. to be honest. I think experience in the industry is the best experience you can have. Yeah. And we're at a stage now where business is changing every every day, every week. Yeah. So how can I don't know how you can really go to university and someone teach you about what's going to be right in business six months down the track, two years down the track. Mm. You're better off getting into um, into like a small business, whether it be online, and create your own experiences, develop your own learning off the back of that and forge your own path. Yeah. So I think education definitely has its place. And I think that education is not just university these days. There's yeah. so many different ways you can go and educate yourself. It's not just that one path about university. So I think regardless of what path you go down, there's 
different types of education, whether it be more specialised in what you're trying to do, and they can come from a ver- you know, various arenas. So mm. um, I think education is, is very important. I just, you know, it's, I don't think it's the be-all and end-all for if you want to be an entrepreneur or trying to create something for yourself. Yeah, totally. And I guess also what's a positive thing now is that, you know, you can get like a mentor or something to work with one-on-one as well. I think that's probably a positive thing that people are doing more now. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I, I speak to probably three or four entrepreneurs a week, um, a couple right. of that asked me to do ongoing mentoring uh, with them, and which is something I'm happy to do because I enjoy talking about business. I enjoy talking about products and, and creating things. So yeah, that's kind of a common thing now. It's, yeah. uh, people like to catch up and talk about what their future dreams are and, and where they want to be in life. It's definitely a, a different, I mean, that's changed a lot in the last 10 years, I think. Totally, yeah. yeah. And everyone's, I think, because, you know, we're also connected now. And so it's just, it's so easy, I guess, in a way to kind of connect with someone who might be doing something in a similar industry that you want to be in so in a way it's it's even better now I think oh absolutely yeah, yeah. It's, and it's funny I mean you look back at uh, I think when we launched Bondi Sands looking at 2010 2012 I remember when we went into that and I had a little bit of a uh, little bit of money out of um, sales the business beforehand yeah there were still a lot of comments around like people go oh why don't you just go get a, a stable job and do what's safe and you know it's even back even as recent as 2010 2012 wow. entrepreneurship still wasn't seen as a, a legit legitimate career really mm, it was yeah. like it was a rare thing that someone started their own business and yeah. we've seen that change rapidly in, in seven years yeah. um, to the point now where we've got more people trying to run their own business online than what they are going to work a, what they're doing as, as a safe job yeah totally and so I want to go back to kind of you and your career so picking up from all of that you then worked as an area manager in fashion and you were thinking about yep. doing your own clothing store but then your That's idea right. changed to start a salon am I correct yeah like I said yeah as you mentioned I was as an, working as an area manager in, in fashion at the time and I, I think at that stage of my life I was I think it was starting to come back to me what I really wanted to do as a kid like, I naturally yeah. I enjoyed that branding and the you know the, the entrepreneurial side of things so that I think was starting to come out in my early 20s Mm-hmm. And yeah, I looked at a store in uh, Bay Street, Port Melbourne, and I was going to open a, a clothing store there. And my brother and I had a conversation at the time, and he was like, "You know, are you sure you want to get into um, having your own store? Because there seems to be a lot of ups and downs. You know, you can if you get one season wrong, if you buy the wrong things in one season, you can really damage yourself financially. Mm-hmm. And you know, that sort of that, you know made sense. And my, then my brother suggested, "Why don't you have a look at you know sunbeds and spray tanning? Once that's you know that sell, and once it's up and running." Yeah, you don't need to keep reinventing yourself. There's an ability to have a passive income there. Yeah. And that made sense to me. And um, so I decided to go down that path. And by the end of 2005, um, I'd leased the shop in Port Melbourne. And by the end of January 2016, we had the store open. Wow. So it was uh, quite a quick turnaround. I think we did that shop for that like two and a half months. Oh, my gosh. So and so was, with, you know, with tanning, so how did that kind of come about? Like specifically, I guess, offering tanning in your salon? Yeah, it was... Um, I, I, to this day, I still look back at that salon as being seven years of market research. Right. It really was. Every day you're talking to people about what they like about tanning, what they don't like about tanning. Mm. Um, 
Spray tans were becoming a big part of that business. So we were doing around 400 spray tans a week. Jesus. And yeah, especially around <laughs> race time, it was just crazy. Like you, yeah, people were booking at 8.30 in the morning all oh. the way through 10 o'clock at night every 15 minutes. God. So it's, um, it was pretty hectic. And so it did get to the times where I'd have to turn people away because I couldn't, you just couldn't fit them in. Wow. And I would suggest, why don't you go try Latan or go try Saint-Tropez? And mm. yeah, I started noticing after a while that the feedback was all the same. It was all, you know, the product doesn't last long enough or the color's bad or it smells bad. And that sort of triggered that thought that what's so different between a cell and spray tan and a self-tanning product that you buy off the shelf. Yeah. And um, so we just decided to make our own spray solution and let's just see how that went. Um, made a few samples. It got to the point where we liked the color of the product. We liked the application. So we started using it on clients in the salon. Um, and then after about sort of two, three months, people were coming in asking for that product. Wow. So we're like, okay, this is now we know we've got something people like. Let's yeah. get back to the manufacturer now and let's see how we can adapt that to self-tanning products so we started going through reformulations into lotions aerosol sprays and and different self-tanning applications and that process took close to two years before we had um, the three products to go to to launch with we're obviously we're a lot faster at getting products to market these days yeah totally so I've seen oh my god (laughs) and can I ask kind of a funny question but I guess in that time when you were doing all those spray tans and I guess starting to develop your own tanning were you ever personally trying the tans did oh, you absolutely. ever have one? I mean, yeah, we always joke about, um, <laughs> you know, we put not tested on animals on our, on our products. We don't believe in that, but it's definitely tested on staff members. So, uh, As a young guy yeah. kind of doing that, were you kind of like at times like, what am I doing? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, you know it, was, it was amazing though when you, the first couple of times I had a spray tan, how good it made me feel. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like it, it makes you look so much better. So it was important for the brand development that we, that we were testing the product because we understood how how good it made people feel and yeah. it gave us, I guess, um, you know, uh, increased positivity about what we're actually doing. So my mates were always spray tanned around 2010, that's for sure. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Guys should really get into tanning more, I, I find. It's just, it will change their lives, honestly. Well, I mean, it's a lot of my mates have been tanning for probably close to a decade now. That's amazing. Um, there's definitely more guys tanning than what you would think. Yeah, and, right. you know, we do have a men's product in our range and that really came off the back of friends of mine that were footy players and they yeah. were using the gradual tanning milk during the week to look nice and brown on the field on the Saturday. So, wow. the macho guys playing football, we know you're, you're tanning as well. So. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so, what was the first product you created in the tanning realm and how was it received? So the first products we made, we, we made two self-tanning lotions, so a light, medium, and a dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had an aerosol spray. So that, that were the three products that we launched with in 2012. Right. Uh, yeah. We also had a, a tanning mitt with, uh, with that product as well. So mm-hmm. it was um, that launched into Priceline in 2012. It was received very well. Um, you know, in terms of the product application, you know, the color, it was by far the best product in the market. Uh, and that was the feedback we were getting uh, from media, but also from customers as well. Totally. I think what, what helped, I say this a lot, you know, I think what helped the brand very early on is that, you know, we look back at our packaging, it wasn't as polished as what it is today. Mm-hmm. And I think it that almost worked in our favor. It came across as though, you know, here's this little Aussie brand, in, you know, little indie brand that clearly is not a multinational and it was well-priced. You're getting 200 mil for 1995 and people were willing to try it for that, for that reason that it was well-priced. Yeah. Once they tried it, they realized 
this product is really good, you know, and it became people's little Aussie secret, you know, they were yeah. word of mouth spread. And, you know, so literally people were, you know, were marking the brand for us because they were just talking about how good the product is. And if you can create word of mouth around your brand, that's, that's the dream. So mm-hmm. I think that really helped the brand in the beginning. And people felt like they had own, a bit of ownership of what Bondi Sands was and they wanted to support a little Aussie brand. Totally. Well, can I just tell you my little story with Bondi Sands? Really funny. So basically, yeah. I first tried Bondi Sands in 2013, I believe. Um, yeah. And I thought I'd give it a go because basically like I'm pretty pale naturally. I can tan but I don't want to go out in the sun. I really don't. And so I had tried some self tanners that were from you know like your price lines and your woolies and all that but I just felt like none of them actually stuck. They didn't work. And so when I first tried Bondi Sands it was the first tan I had ever tried that actually worked. And so from then I was absolutely hooked and I can't even tell you how many bottles I've gone through <laughs> since then over the years and the dark foam has always been my fave but yeah it's and you know during the years I've you know I've dabbled in trying different tans here and there but I am dead serious I always come back to Bondi Sands I just uh, there's nothing yeah, like we it. love hearing stories like that that's like especially people that have been brand fans for I mean like you you would have been one of the very first product uh, people to buy our product <laughs> it was like probably I was, on the shelf I was so excited to see Honestly, I was so excited to see a tanning product on the shelves that was new because I'm like, all of these other ones don't work. Let's give this one a go. Because I loved having a spray tan. I would get spray tans. But I was like, I just want to do it at home, you know. And I yeah. didn't have my license back then. And I was getting a bus to get a spray tan and getting on the bus looking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a I actually had not thought time. about that, actually, when we were developing the product. Because we, we picked the price point of 1995 because I honestly believe that a lot of our consumers would be um, girls who are probably buying this product with pocket money mm-hmm. and to be able to hand over a $20 note and get some change back um, yeah. would have been yeah, a, a great way of marketing the product. But I didn't think about people jumping on a bus with a spray tan. <laughs> well, there so. you go. That was me for many years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I want to go into kind of the first stages of manufacturing your product. So did you manufacture it in Australia or overseas? No, we've always manufactured here in Australia. Right. Um, that's something that uh, I think really we developed our brand positioning first. I guess wanted to have a brand that the values that we still adhere to today is that we want to be Australian made, Australian owned. We want to be affordable. We want to be selling quality and we want to be accessible. Right. Um, so that was something that we uh, came across very early on in the very early days of setting up our brand. And um, so at the time, 2011, 2012, a lot of brands were manufacturing in China simply because it was cheaper. Um, we thought our brand positioning would be stronger made in Australia right. because of our branding. And then when we started looking into it, we saw that you know a lot of Australian industry was actually struggling uh, because everyone was going overseas and they couldn't co- compare on uh, compete on price. So we made a decision that we would always be Australian made. And one of the main reasons for that is that we want to support Australian industry. And we've seen that trend grow over the seven years we've been market. We see a lot of products now which understand that it's so much stronger to have that made in Australia on your packaging than what it is to pay, you know, 50 cents less per product. So, you know, really, I mean, Australian... Um, brands or manufacturers have such a good reputation around the world. So it's, um, it's something that is it is part of the core of our brand and will continue to be Australian made. I love that. And how did you go about finding a manufacturer and the right one to create the product that you were looking for? Yeah, we were um, lucky enough, like my business partner, Sean, uh, 
John had uh, a contact of his dad's that was involved in a uh, manufacturer. It was one of the biggest, or had a contact that um, worked at one of the biggest sun care manufacturers in Australia. So right. that was where we started. We, you know, um, we went, went down there and it was an interesting process. Yeah, they, they were getting approached by brands, oh, I think probably weekly, uh, people wanting to do new, new self-tanners. And, mm. yeah, I think there was a bit of, and rightly so, they were prob- they were you know, not that excited about what we wanted to do. Yeah. You know, no one's that excited when you're just starting out except for yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, so we went through that process, and yeah, it was sort of we still we still manufacture with, with that manufacturer today. Oh, that's great! So many years mm. worth of a relationship there, which is awesome. Yeah, and we, we are branching out now to other manufacturers as well mm-hmm. um, as our I guess product portfolio expands. But yeah. we like we've always believed that I guess having good partnerships and good alignments with people, if you do the right thing by other people, they'll do the right thing by you. Yeah, and. You know, with uh, we were exclusive to Priceline for a number of, number of years, and they've been one of our great partners globally, and still our number one retailer globally. So, mm-hmm. you know, from retailers to distributors around the world to manufacturers, we we like to have these partnerships that are long term. That's awesome. And I know with your manufacturer, they weren't totally warmed to your product idea. So, how do you break down that barrier and, in a way, prove your worth and the idea to someone of authority in your industry when you're first starting out? Yeah, they what they push back on is. Is, um, is really the formulation that we wanted to run with. And you know, it comes back to that selling quality positioning. So mm-hmm. what it means to be selling quality is generally a higher level of active ingredient and probably a base color that has like a green or a blue base to it. Mm-hmm. Self-tanning products at the time, traditionally we're always using caramel bases, um, caramel colored dye. Mm-hmm. And caramel colored dye is great for shelf life. It'll sit on shelf for four years and, and won't change. Mm-hmm. So for a manufacturer, it's great. Stability is great. But in terms of color on the skin, if you put caramel on any skin tone except for probably really olive skin, uh, it will look orange. Oh. So that was one of our, our key directions from day one is like our product cannot be orange. Yeah, And that's still no something we, yeah, we insist on these, these days. Yeah, there's um, nothing worse than an orange tan. <laughs> no, it's not a good look. <laughs> um, so they really pushed back on that. But I think that was quite innovative about our product when we launched. We were quite a high-level uh, active ingredient product, and we also had the blue-green dye, but we were able to get two years shelf life out of the product. Yeah. And, you know, that was something that we just had to keep, you know, working through the process with them. And we were lucky enough to obviously meet with a distributor that mm-hmm. wanted to take the brand on. And we got into Priceline uh, fairly early on as well. So they could see that what we were saying was also, you know, being backed up by the partners that were aligning themselves with the brand. Yeah. And I think once, um, you know, everyone tests our products, you know, whether it be the manufacturer, they'll test on staff there, we test on staff. So after a while um, of them actually testing this product with the blue dye in it, it was, you know, no brainer that this product is you know, far more natural than what caramel would be. So now you, it, it's almost become the norm now that a lot of brands will turn to that color base. That is so true. So many brands have popped up doing that. And it's great to know that you're, yeah. you know, the first to kind of do that here. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, great. I think at the time, at the time, Saint Tropez was the only one that was in that space. And if mm-hmm. you had a look, I mean, they were in excess of 60 dollars at the time. Oh my yeah, God. We're at twenty dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was really unheard of at that price point. Yeah. Amazing. And can I ask, did you have a business plan set in place or did you just like take action and figure it out as you went along? Uh, we definitely have a lot, you know, stringent planning in place now. Back then, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, we had probably, would, you know, I guess a plan for the first 12 months. Mm-hmm. And probably business plans are, you know, are great, but businesses change and they evolve so quickly. I mean, we, we put plans in place that for something that for the next 12 months and by the time we're halfway through that plan, you know, our direction has changed. 
Yeah. And yeah. You, you almost want that. You want, you know, the people in your, in your business to, you know, to feel like, you know, if they come up with a better idea or if something evolves, you know, into something else, then, you know, that's okay to run with that. That keeps your business agile. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was, that was what was actually one of our strengths. Yes, we were planning sort of 12 months ahead, but not too far into the future. And mm-hmm. we did allow ourselves to, um, to veer in a different direction if, if we needed to. That's awesome. It's, I, I guess, yeah, it's because it changes so quickly. Sometimes you just kind of need to go with whatever happens in, in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't know when you're going to come up with the next great product and things yeah. need to change. Then you start um, that, start again. <laughs> Back <laughs> exactly. to the drawing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's the other side of it. When things don't go right, you need to be able to yeah, change and pivot and move in another direction. So, yeah. yeah, being flexible is something important. Planning, obviously, is important, but allowing yourself to pivot if need be. Yeah. And so, tell me how it went from samples to actually selling the product. So, was this in the form of a website, marketing strategy, packaging development, campaign shoots, PR, etc.? And what was the timeline like from the idea to actually having it available for purchase? Yeah, so it's around two years with the, the total um, timeline from having the concept, well, having the first spray tan, which we like the colour of, and yeah. then um, getting that to market. So, yeah, it's about two years. Wow. The formulation process took about uh, 14 months. Okay, yeah. We had a few backwards, you know, we went backwards and forwards quite a lot because every time they create a formula, we'd test it, we'd light the colour or the development of the product, but then they put in stability and it might fall over. So right. it might go green or, the, or, or it might, you know, you know, change sort of consistency. So that was a really, a back, you know, that went backwards and forwards for quite a few months and mm-hmm. every time you get a new sample, it's about six weeks. Okay, so it was, wow. if you make those changes, you are eating up quite a lot of time. Yeah. Once we got to the point we had a product that we, we were happy with and it was stable, the packaging sourcing was done through our manufacturer as well and that was really that part of that stability so yeah. you choose your packaging design that and then they put the product in the bottle and they place it in stability to make sure that the, the packaging doesn't impact the product wow um yeah so then about oh so probably it would have been 18 months down the track we came in uh, we were fortunate enough to meet our distributor mm-hmm. uh, that we still work with today here in australia and they really liked the positioning of the product and thought that there was a big opportunity for it and before they wanted to move ahead with a um, an agreement or a partnership they they wanted to present it to some retailers. So Priceline was the first retailer uh, or second retailer that we presented to, mm-hmm. and uh, they saw the opportunity in the in the brand and um, yeah decided to move ahead with it in that first meeting, which was yeah you know, for us it was yeah very pleasing, uh, seeing as we just invested our life savings into that brand. Oh um, yeah. yeah, so that was around May June in 2012, mm-hmm. and then we were in store by September that year. Yeah, amazing. And Priceline, oh yeah. my god, I'm obsessed with Priceline. I really am. <laughs> I'm like a Definitely. walking, talking ad for Priceline. I just love them. <laughs> <laughs> they do things very well. And yeah, yeah, like as I mentioned, I mean, they've been a great supporter of ours since, since day one. So, you know, we, we're very appreciative for that partnership. And as I mentioned, I mean, they're, they're, we're in retail chains that have got far more stores than Priceline, but they're still our number one globally. So it's, wow. it's a testament to how how well they run their brand and their business and yeah. uh, how strong their brand is. Totally. And they know a good product when they see one, you know. No, they really they do. do. Yeah. yeah. And so thinking to what you have now, how much has changed from the products you started with to what they are now? Has anything changed from like the formula or the packaging? Oh, uh, look, yeah, the formulas, it's funny, you know, the what people want from self-tanners hasn't changed. Right. They're still after flawless application that's not streaky. They still want a golden natural tan. Um, they still want a product that's fast drying and isn't tacky on their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, they still want a product that doesn't smell bad. So they're like the, the key pillars of producing a self-tanning range. Formulations have changed immensely 
And Australia is really on the forefront of that, mm-hmm. um, off the back of our, I guess, education around UV light exposure and the risk of skin cancer. People are, you know, soft hand brands in particular, are trying to create product which mimics what you would develop in the sun, but in a much safer way. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen, as I mentioned before, more products move across to, you know, the blue-green dye base, which gives that more natural olive tone on the skin. Mm-hmm. So that's really become you know, a bit more of a norm in products now. We've seen the evolution of formulations in terms of active ingredients. When mm-hmm. we launched, our range had a DHA level of 7, 7%. Wow. And that was considered really high at yeah. that time. That right. was like almost unheard of yes. uh, in a self-tanning product. But we're, some of our products now are up to 14%. Wow. So, yeah. So formulations have changed. We've brought in new ingredients. We've um, you know, trying to get that, increase that stability uh, with those high level of active ingredients. So there's been a massive change in that. So that gives you depth of color and longevity of color as well. Mm-hmm. And now we're also looking at different application types. So we launched probably our most innovative product in 2017, 2016 with Intana Razor, which is a fast way yes. to remove product. That's the only Tanner Razor I'm, I use. That, like the only thing I use to really take off my tan, to be honest. So I love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an amazing product. It really, it really is. Uh, and then through to our Express product, which we launched on a private jet from Melbourne to Sydney last year. I saw. Um, that's <laughs> been our number one selling product since then. And it, yeah, I mean, that's, that was in the aerosol foam format. So mm. everything evolves. And it's kind of like every product we create leads to the next one. You learn a lot through development and formulation Mm -hmm. and you pick up ideas along the way and, you know, products sort of spring up from uh, things that don't work and things that do work during that formulation process. 100%. And that's it was so exciting to actually have a tanner razor and to actually try that. I was so excited to get my hands on that because I was like so sick of scrubbing myself until I was like red raw trying to get my tan off every week. And yeah. then, yeah, it, it's honestly made everything so much easier. And then the, the Express, the aerosol foam, I love it. And I love how quickly that dries. That's probably the biggest thing I've taken away from that specific product is that it dries down so fast. Yeah, it's uh, it is an amazing product, product Express. And getting back to it, like tan eraser, when I had my tanning cell on, we literally had, you know, Australians are very, they understand Thursday tan day very well. Yes. <laughs> like that's a term we take <laughs> around the world and people always find it pretty funny. Yeah. But I remember clients coming in on a Thursday night for their spray tan and they were scrubbed red raw. Mm-hmm. Like their skin was red, it was blotchy and, yeah, but they still didn't get the tan off properly. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, you're better off coming back in a couple of days. Your tan's not going to look good over that. So, again, it's one of those things that that tan removal was always an issue. And, yeah, yeah we... We approached that product in a very different way. We actually worked with a company that specializes in drug delivery systems through the skin. Wow. And so we really thought, let's approach this in a different way. It's not realistic to scrub your, your skin off and get all the tan off. <laughs> yeah. We need to get to, you know, the base of where the tan is actually being produced. And um, so we went to the path of really understanding where the production of tan was happening with DHA within the skin and how the skin reacted to um, the, the DHA itself. So from that, we're able to reverse the process of tan developing on the skin. Oh, my God. I love this whole science lesson. This is amazing. <laughs> so I love all this stuff. Like, I love working, sitting in with the, um, the guys in the lab and just throwing around ideas about what we could do and you know, discussing their learnings. It's, oh, my God. It's one of my favorite parts of the business. That would be my favorite. I wish I could be like a fly on the wall. I just soak it all up. Like, I just love that stuff. <laughs> really do. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And um, so over time, you went into your self-tanning foam. So obviously, like mine has always been the dark foam. I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know. It's just my soulmate in a tanning bottle. <laughs> That's probably the best it's, way I can put it. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it's kind of become a bit of an iconic product now, and it's, yes. you're not alone in that, that love of dark foam. It's been mm. um, we sell one of those products, one of those bottles every six seconds. Um, so it's a it's a global favourite. It's just one of those products. It's a simple product. It delivers great product. It's easy to use, and yeah, you know, we launched that back in 2014. Mm-hmm. So it was it was the first product we launched after the initial launch. Yeah, um, and it's still the best selling product in our range today. Why do you think it's still number one over the others? Uh, well, Express is is rapidly catching up. Right. Um, Express will overtake it, and the new Aero SKUs as well, and that aerosol foam. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gives you such a yeah, you know, like you said before, it's so much faster drying and. I think the actual application is it's much easier and it gives you a much even more even finish and wears off more evenly. Right. So I think over time the the aerosol foams will overtake uh, the dark foam, but okay. I think it's just a, it's a simple product that people know how to use and it's affordable. Yeah, and that's yeah that's really what you want from, from any product. Oh, totally, it's perfect. And so yeah. let's talk about Bondi Sands now. So I feel like when I'm just getting used to a product, there's another innovation released, and I'm like, oh mm-hmm. my god, you know, I just got my head around that one. Now there's another one. I'm running the price line, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. in there. I'm, I'm, yeah. We're making your life difficult. <laughs> you are, but in kind of the best way. <laughs> yeah. So where do you get these ideas and how often are you churning out new releases or how far ahead are you planning? Generally, um, our MPD, our new product development is planned. We look at around two years out in terms of when we'd like to launch them. Some products work, obviously some don't. The ideas really come from, as I mentioned before, they can come out of really anywhere. I'm constantly walking the aisles of Priceline, Wall. Worth, Coles, Chemist Warehouse, looking at different products in any category, but looking for inspiration really. How does that, how can a certain application type, how can that cross over into self tanning? Mm-hmm. Is there, is there um, active ingredients that are on trend at the moment? Yeah, you know, how does that relate to tanning? I really I do draw back on that seven years of uh, having that sell on, that customer research of just talking to people about tanning uh, for seven years. That still helps me today. We've had inspiration from any, so many different categories from automotive to, to beauty to hair care. Wow. Um, so they really can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Probably the ones that have probably been the most successful for us of late have been when we've been going through a process developing something and we've got an interesting piece of data that's come back from our lab. So, for example, when we were doing Tanner Razor um, actually came off the back of developing Express. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when we went to, we were creating Express and, again, we were looking at ways that how do we, most Express products have, you know, they um, have... Uh, just a higher amount of active ingredient makes them develop faster. Mm-hmm. And again, it was kind of like, well, this is just not going to not going to work by just keep adding more and more protein to make it faster. So we looked at how DHA was reacting to the skin, and we found that DHA dries the, the top layer of the skin. So if we created a product that would moisturise the skin first before the DHA starts to work, the DHA could penetrate faster and develop faster. Wow. Um, so. It was during that learning process that we realized, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's sort of happening. And okay, maybe we can understand what, you know, we can create a tanner and move off the back of that as well. So it was all part of that one process. You know, one product generally can lead into the next. Oh, my good God. That's amazing. Mm. I love that. Oh, my God. This is all the stuff that I love to hear. This is just so fun. Honestly, it's awesome. I love the whole process. I think that's so exciting. Yeah. And it must be so exciting for you when something like that comes back and you're like, hang on, there's something in this. Oh, absolutely. And there's probably, you know, for every product that gets launched, there's probably 10 that don't work. Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's quite deflating when you're just going backwards and forth, you know, backwards and forth around. Yeah. Well, 
simulations trying to um, make things work. Yeah. Um, but when you get the one that works, you know, the whole office just gets so excited. Oh, and yeah. Everyone wants to try it. Everyone's hanging out for the launch. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, so then we want to launch it as quickly as possible. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Get it on before someone else does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so you have tanning products and you're now doing Sun Safe and Body. So speaking yeah. of body, can you explain what products like the hand wash and the body moisturizer do for your tan and how they differ from the general body products on the market from any other brand? Yeah, so when we were developing that range, we sort of thought that we were confident in our products in terms of de- color development and application. So we knew mm-hmm. we had a good product there. What we didn't know was how people were then either preparing their skin or how they were maintaining their skin when they had self-tan on, which those you know, through those times, that is effectively affecting how our products are forming on their skin. Hmm. So we really wanted to, again, understand, you know, what washing was doing to the skin. And we came to the conclusion that a, a product range that was designed to keep the pH level of the skin, uh, pH level of the skin to the optimal level to maintain the tan, that was something we could build into a, a body range. So, yeah, so it didn't strip the color out of the skin, didn't dry the skin too much. So our, our body range is, we call it self-tan friendly. Yes. And the scrubs in the range are designed to have no oils in them at all. So you can scrub your skin, you know, prepare for applying yourself tan and you won't have a residue of oil on there which may result in streaking or patches on your skin. The body washes are designed not to strip your tan and to help prolong the life of the tan as much as possible. Wow, that's awesome because it's so annoying, you know, jumping in the shower or washing your hands and the tan, you can just see the tan has just come off dramatically like over a few days, you know, just washing your hands and it's just like, oh my God, it's so frustrating. So that's an awesome product. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to talk a bit more about some specific products from Bondi Sands. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me about the Glow Range what it does and what look we can achieve from it? Yeah, so um, Glow was a product we launched last year, actually. We started off with a instant tan range, which had uh, the three products in that range. So there was a, um, a body shimmer, a body matte product, and a body gloss. Yep, I have They're all of them. Use, you have all those, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so <laughs> they were designed to use together. Um, or you could use them together if you wanted to. Yeah. And uh, so we launched that in the UK and also into Australia, into um, into Priceline. Mm-hmm. And it was really that range came off the back of two products that we had that were okay, but they weren't uh, a really performing skew. So they were originally made in, uh, in sorry, a spray format, which is quite difficult to use. Mm. So we reformulated into a lotion and then added in a couple of other uh, variants as well. And you know, straight away that product went to the, the top-selling product uh, in that category category in Superdrug in the UK wow. and we saw the same trend here in uh, Priceline Australia as well. So it was really, Glow was designed to sort of blur the lines between what self-tanning products are and what cosmetics are. Wow. You get the, the self-tanning consumer, they're also using a lot of cosmetic products as well. So there's a good sort of synergy between what we can produce as a self-tan and what we can as an instant tan. We yeah. followed that up this year with Glow Lights um, which is a, a highlighter range mm. and there's three colours in that range. So we have, um, there's gold Gold, bronze, and pearl, and that's really just designed to give you know whether you'd like you know, add a bit more um, a bit more shine to you know finish makeup on your on your face or across your shoulders, and it's just really designed to be a very easy product to use. We benchmarked a lot of liquid highlighters, mm-hmm. and when we sort of looked at that range, a lot of the liquid highlighters we looked at were very expensive, and mainly because of the, the packaging uh, with the, the glass droppers and yeah, uh, that right. type of packaging. So yeah. we believed we could create something that had a similar effect to that, but in a more affordable packaging option but it was also more convenient as well so you can just throw it in your bag and no 
not worry about it breaking. Right. And it's just a lot easier to use on a daily basis. So that's kind of what led to the production of, of glow lights. Wow, I haven't tried any of those yet, but they sound really cool. And I also want to talk about the liquid gold range. So this is a question, like this is something I really want to know. So how does it differ from your general tanning foams? Because I know it's quite popular and a lot of like even friends of mine are like, oh, I use the liquid gold. And I'm like, what is the difference here? Yeah, so liquid gold, we launched that back in 2015. Um, Originally, it was a a pump spray dry oil. So that was where it actually started. We recently launched um, the foam this year, uh, the self-tanning foam, and that was kind of, we have a, a customer base which are almost like they're dedicated liquid gold people. Yeah. And the, I think the reason for that is liquid gold has probably two USPs, um, unique selling points, and that is that the product requires no wash-off. Mm-hmm. So you can apply this product in the morning. It's super fast drying. Um, you can dress over the top of the product. You can go about your day, and then at the end of the day, come home and shower it off at that one at that time without getting rubbed off on your clothes. Jeez. So it's a very convenient product from that standpoint, and the whole liquid gold range is designed to perform like that. The guide color is a lot more minimal, so it's probably sitting around the initial dye color when you put it on your skin is about a third of what the dark foam will be. Right. So again, it looks it doesn't look like you've got tan on throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And finally, the dye structure is slightly different in terms of what the end color will look like. It is a little bit more yellow, so it looks a little bit more golden on the on the on the skin as opposed to looking you know more more bronzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really that's really the difference between liquid gold and the, the traditional foams. Interesting. So if you wanted to be, say, you're a t- fake tan fanatic, would you kind of recommend people to go with your general foams or with liquid gold? Um, personally, I'd say the, the dark foams, mm-hmm. the foams. Right. I think they, they're the products that you can use day in, day out. Liquid gold, I think it really depends on really what, what sort of skin tone you have and, yeah. and you know, what result you're wanting. Yeah. It's kind of... For me, I'd go for dark foam just because I'm quite olive uh, skin tone, so mm-hmm. a darker product looks looks better on me. Yeah. But yeah, I know a lot of people that would just swear by liquid gold, so yeah. it really depends on what your personal preference is and, and how you want to apply the product. Yeah, right, because I have the liquid gold tanning foam. I haven't used it yet, though, because I'm like, I don't know whether to use it before like something like a, an event because I want to make sure I really like it, you know, so I'm just finding the right time <laughs> to give it a go. I think you'll like it. It's, okay. it's definitely been one of our best-selling products this year. When we saw it launched in the UK earlier this year, it went straight to number one in the oh first couple of months. Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing product, so definitely give it a go. Okay, that will be my weekend tan for this week. Right. Yeah, that's it. Lock it in. <laughs> and so you also have a few travel size products that we can take on the go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what ones do you have in that range? Uh, we added... The travel sizes in this year. So we've got the gradual tanning milk. We kind of like, we basically focused on our, our hero skews. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the dark foam is, is available in the travel size. We also have the gradual tanning milk. We have uh, the self tanner razor is uh, in the travel size as well. Mm-hmm. So they're the, they're the three that we're focusing on at the moment. Awesome. I love it. So, so handy because, you know, yeah. if I go away, I want to make sure I'm as bronzed as possible. So that's perfect. <laughs> that's <true. laughs> yeah. And I want to dive into some words of wisdom from you before we get to the end. So, okay, a few kind of more fast-paced questions, if you will, Um, but feel free Mm -hmm. to delve into whatever you want. It's fine. So, the biggest challenge starting the brand? There's a few. (laughs) Uh, I think really getting yourself into a position where you, you know, truly believe in what you're going to do uh, to the point where you're confident investing your life savings into what you're doing. Right. It's, 
you know, that's sort of, you do have a lot of people around you saying, you know, oh, why don't you go get a, just get a job or do that sort of thing. It, it is easier to go and do that. Mm-hmm. It does take, you do need to believe in what your drive, what your vision is mm-hmm. and believe that it can work. And I think that's probably the hardest part, getting your head around that. And then once you make the decision to move forward, yeah, it's a lot easier from there. Good advice. And the biggest pinch me moment? Oh, uh, I think probably our Coachella launch last year for Aero. Oh, I saw that. That looked cool. Yeah. I've never been to Coachella, so to wait, you know, for your first one and have your own estate and launch your product there, that's that's the way to do it. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you can't get any better yeah. than that. <laughs> yeah. So and, I think, that, I think yeah. that'd be it. Oh, um, totally. Although, having said that, walk into Walgreens for the first time and seeing product on shelf in the United States, oh, that was, yeah. you know, we always had the goal very early on of being the world's number one tanning brand, which we became this year. That's and amazing. The, yeah, I think we're still celebrating that. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, the US is a big part of that goal. So, yeah, I think equally between Coachella and seeing product on shelf in Walgreens. Yeah, that's cool. And that's a pretty tough market to crack. Took us three years or three Jeez. shots. Jeez. Yeah. Well, it worked, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> we were tenacious. We are just going to keep going back until it happened. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. what do you think you could do better? Oh, it's uh, a tough one. <laughs> There's definitely things we can improve on and get better at, but it's kind of like, mm, as a brand, you know, we are very aggressive with MPD, uh, mm-hmm. new products launching, you know, coming into market. What we're trying to get better at is be um, have better planning in place over long periods of time. Right. So, you know, we, we still want to be nimble and make sure that we don't, I guess, get to the point where we're a big company and we're slow to react. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, trying to put things in place, which um, allow us to be a little bit more planned uh, for product launches. Okay, good. Yep, good answer. Yep. And yep. what advice would you give to someone who is looking to start a brand? The, yeah, the same advice I give to everybody is choose something you're truly passionate about. And something that you you know inside and out, um, that you can communicate what that product is efficiently. Um, I see a lot of people that have are looking to launch products simply because of how much money they think they can make from it. Right. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just really not the the right way to start a business. It's kind of I always use the example that if you're going to go launch a vegan product and you don't live that life, how do you communicate with you know a vegan consumer? Yeah. You don't talk the same language as them they will know more about the industry than what you will and they'll see through your message straight away. Totally. Um, so I think you really need to know it inside and out and one of the biggest strengths I say, you know, talk about for Bondi Sands is that it's a very simple one. We understand our consumer better than anybody else because we are our consumer. Yeah, so totally. That, without a doubt, the, the strongest piece of advice I can give. Yeah, I agree with that. So true. I just, you know, you never want to go into something to think about what you can earn. And while that's a big part of it, you know, you really need to make sure you actually enjoy it because then you won't enjoy getting up and going to work. So. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you just, I've said this a few times as well, that the, the financial rewards, they're not going to come in a year. They're not going to come yeah. in two years. They're not going to, if that's what your you know, uh, initial goal is, it's not going to happen fast enough. Yeah. And yeah, you'll, you'll want to um, you know, throw in the towel. So find something you're truly passionate in. And regardless of where, whether it's a big category or not, or you know, a lot of money in it, th- things change. Things evolve. The Bondi um, self-tanning at the time was the market in Australia was a third of the size of what it is now. 
Yeah. And we've been, you know, I think we've been quite, you know, not single-handedly, but been heavily involved in driving the growth of that category. Totally so, have, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how many countries are you stocked in now and what big retailers around the world can we expect to find Bondi Sands in? So, yeah, we've just launched into some new territories, but we're not mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UK, we're in Ireland, uh, the Netherlands, uh, we're in the United States. We're in New Zealand. You'll see the product in Canada fairly soon. Oh, nice. We've just la- yeah, we've just launched into Germany, which is Ooh. a great market, a huge population of 80 million people. Jesus. And, yeah, we feel <laughs> that's really sort of undeveloped as a self-tanning uh, destination. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. And, yeah, we've, we've covered most of the territories we'd like to be in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about now just obviously building out that market share within those territories. That's awesome. Congrats. That's really cool. Thank you. You're welcome. And where can we get our hands on Bondi Sands? Oh, retailers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. in Australia, um, yep, the Priceline, Chemist Warehouse, Coles, Woolworth, pretty much everywhere. And what about like the biggest ones in, you know, the US and the UK? Um, so at the moment we have an exclusive arrangement with Walgreens awesome. and uh, that's just been extended for another year. So we've right. had a great year there so far. We became the number one brand in store after three months. Oh my God. So they're very happy with uh, the way the brand yeah. <laughs> moving there. So they want to keep it that way. Awesome. And that's great. I think um, when we launch into a territory, we do like to align with a, a retailer that we, you know, shares our views views for the brand and, and what mm-hmm. we can produce and that seems to be our partner in the in the US as well with Walgreens it's been a good partnership so far. The UK we're in uh, Boots and Superdrug, so the two big health and beauty retailers there. Awesome. And yeah. now we're starting to sort of you know expand from there into Tesco, Sainsbury's and Morrison's. Awesome. And uh, a few honor line retailers too. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And finally, what's coming up next? Can you give me an exclusive? (laughs) Oh, stuff happens so quickly. I can't give away too much. There's things happening soon. We can give you something that there will be something very exciting to look forward to in January. Oh, that's not too far away. Not far away at all. Is it yeah. like to coincide with like summer? Like I don't know. Is it something to do with like? I don't it's know. something that's typically yeah you know, that, that you is typically Bondi. Typically Bondi. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to start thinking. <laughs> I'm going to start writing lists. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to admit if you get it right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. And I want to end the chat on a few random questions for you. Sure. So, number one, if you had to introduce a new scent to Bondi Sands tanning products, what would you choose? Oh, uh, you know what I've always loved is CK1. And oh. I've tried to get it into products so many times <laughs> that it hasn't. It's just not working for me. So, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. But I love CK1. So, that is that. That's amazing. <laughs> and if you were a rapper, what would your rapper name be? Oh, dude, that's embarrassing. I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, I'll have to pass on that. I can't even think of it. <laughs> Love it. And um, if you could get either your absolute dream car or dream watch, which one would you choose? Oh, geez, how much time have we got here? Because there's like <laughs> so many. Uh, McLaren P1, that's, that's my ultimate. We'll get there eventually, but it's going up on value every day. Um, and probably Automars PK uh, Chronograph Royal Oak. That's Jesus. probably my, my watch. Oh, my God. You're like speaking a different language to me right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I need yeah, a translator. I'm, I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm like a marketer's dream, to be honest. I get sucked into anything, so. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, I love branding, so. Yeah, yeah. so cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Blair, you were amazing. Thank you so much for chatting everything Bondi Sands with me, and um, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Great. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've uh, really enjoyed it. No worries. See ya. Bye-bye.